0: The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace Podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily represent the views of the various organizations with which they work. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general in nature. You should always consider your situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But you knew that so here's fate for you right um i come home from oshkosh all fired up to go flying and it, it has been four days of solid imc here in new england which is probably yet another sign that i should get that instrument ticket that you got i'm made. gonna
1: say it sounds like a good day for some instrument duel
0: yeah well i mean you know so come on up and take me for an airplane ride but uh, it hasn't that quite good. worked See, I'd, but I I end up buying motorcycle. Yeah, that's right. So we're gonna keep you away.
2: <laughs> Bring you checkbook. Yeah. Oh look!
1: Oh look! It's a downpour. Jeb says, "What a great day to go check out motorcycles."
0: That's right. That's yeah. right. So how was everybody's trips home from uh, from everybody's home? Right? Everybody's oh, yeah. Back, yeah. back to their home base now. So how was everybody's that's, trip? That's, that's the now. way it
1: looks out the window.
0: Jeb, I know you flew uh, home. I flew you. Or flew in, in a real airplane. Flew home. <laughs> uh, Amy, did you guys fly home in your? airplane, or you do the airplane?
2: Oh, airlines? wouldn't that be sweet? No, I did the airline home, and, and Barry, God bless him, flew a Warbird home, Ooh. otherwise known as an old airplane, and we all know what happens then.
0: Oh, well, okay, I guess there's a story there. What happened? So what
2: happened? <laughs> well, they were uh, they were headed to Florida, but they needed to make a pit stop in Enterprise, Alabama, because the airplanes for sale, and, and the owner has a house there. Well the house is under reconstruction. So it was a little rough, but it wasn't too bad. Okay. Before and you go on, what what kind of airplane was it? It's an O two. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Do you know what an O two is? Sure, it's, it's a push a me Cessna pull you. It's a Right. It's a Cessna three three seven. For for those of you out, out there looking it up frantically in Jane's All the World's Aircraft. Um but it's a military version. From uh the it was a forward observer. It had armament and a whole lot of radios. Now, these are radios with vacuum tubes in them. Yeah, they don't Danny Glover so
0: flew one in the movie. That's right. I was trying <laughs> to remember the name of that movie. But, uh, yeah, vacuum tubes. Go ahead.
2: Yeah. yeah, and so it had all original equipment, which is what makes these things valuable, except for a 296 that, you know, was kind of up, up on the dash there, which proved very useful. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: sorry. Amy, you got stepped on there. It proved useful when what?
2: When the rest of those radios with their vacuum tubes weren't working so well. I
0: see. Okay. okay. So what was the effect of this failure? Did uh... Uh,
2: Well, actually, until the until the starter on the rear engine failed, actually, the effect was pretty minimal. You know, it, it meant a lot of say-agains in, in IMC and, you know, some interesting uh, conversations between the pilot and the co-pilot and the air traffic controller. As in... <laughs>
0: Is this, those, is this one of those is this one of those stories that starts out with your cat was sick and ends with your house burned down? Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, 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 and everybody understands what's going on the whole time. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, so the uh so the radios failed
2: and the starter failed. What else? Yeah, well, starter failed in in on the way to show the airplane off to the prospective uh buyers. It was always, great always a great
0: thing. I know, yeah, right. Go ahead.
2: But good news is it was a Saturday and there actually was a mechanic on the field and Barry's a mechanic and within an hour they had a new starter motor on there and the back engine ran and they went and closed the deal. The airplane sold um, and then they had to take the airplane back to Florida. But by the time they did all of this, it was 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Jeb, stop me if I'm wrong. What happens in Florida next? Oh, even I
0: can <laughs> tell that one. Okay. Go ahead, Jeb.
2: Butter what happened? Thunderstorms. <sighs> So, as you might imagine, the the two and a half hour ride home was abruptly terminated in about mm, thirty minutes in Tallahassee because they (laughs) needed (laughs) weather. (laughs) Um, That actually two days later, that was uh, old Hurricane Eduardo or Tropical Storm Eduardo. Just so you know, well, Um, how long did it take you to get home? He got home at 9 o'clock at night, at which point, being the good guy that which, he is, which, he said, well, let me, Wait, wait, which I'm not day? done yet. <laughs> Saturday night. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Jeb. <laughs> Jeb. Jeb's got an inside track to this story, so he knows exactly <laughs> why I'm laughing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Anyhow. Um, and he said, well, let me put some put some gas in your airplane because you brought me home. I really appreciate that. So he did. He put 50 gallons in, which, you know, that's a respectful amount. You know that that airplane burned a lot of gas, right?
1: Yeah. It's feeding, well, too.
2: And so for $250, which, by the way, was the price of my round-trip ticket to Boston, <laughs> like on stop, <laughs> Round trip tickets, to Milwaukee. He too got home from Oshkosh. Um, I think he had more fun though. He did in the moments he... when he was having fun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and he got home
1: ahead of you.
2: Well, no, tell he did it not. I got home of several hours ahead of him. I must add.
3: I left um, Appleton around two o'clock Appleton time. Okay. I, I landed at Venice right just after ten o'clock Florida time Still with one in route stop for fuel mm-hmm. and it was smooth um, and the weather that I had I just kind of it kind of moved right off the 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 course and I just kept uh, had Venice bore sighted from uh, uh, as far away as uh Indianapolis
2: mm-hmm. now you and, can see the wind in your airplane can't you
3: Well, I have the little Garmin 396 thingy that gives me the Nexrad and that kind of thing. And I was at 13.5, went right over the top of Atlanta, um, VFR, and, you know, no issues. So you, you tell Barry that I missed him. I'd love to have him, have had him. But I understand that he needs more excitement in his life.
2: <laughs> I'll let him know that, that you understand he's an adrenaline junkie. Yes. You know, that's yes. not a problem. Not a problem. So so he was shaking his shaking his head over his martini at about 10 o'clock on Saturday night. <laughs>
0: it's
2: all right. It's yeah. all right. Really. Yeah, it's
0: okay. <laughs> How about you, David? Any adventure on the way home?
1: Oh, uh, man, it was the absolute perfect description of airline travel. Uneventful. Uh-huh. uh huh. Pretty much on time, on station, all bags checked, all bags retrieved. Uh, bumped into some old friends at Appleton and some different old friends at Minneapolis. Uh, and then saw some other old friends who were also coming back from Oshkosh waiting for luggage where, at, at Wichita Midcontinent, where for some reason... Carousel 2 gets no bags, while Carousel 1 gets the bags of four flights all at the same time. It is an extraordinary party around the baggage carousel. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you see people that come in from three different hubs and four different airlines. So, uh, uh, yeah, it was just a walk in the park. Uh, And, you know, late enough in the morning that after our little, uh, which Jeb and, and Amy missed, our little farewell
0: Get together breakfast at the
1: International House
0: of Pilots. Uh, (laughs) That's right. That's right. That is becoming a little bit of a tradition for us. Or I guess it's been a tradition. I've only joined in the last couple of years. It's
3: it's been a tradition. I uh, I think I participated in that last year.
1: Well, the tradition used to be Culver's for an early lunch. Uh Uh huh. Because I did. I made it a point of. You know, like taking my sweet bleep time, getting the hell out of Oshkosh on the day after the show closed, which meant sleeping you know fairly late, uh having a bite in the breakfast room, getting packed, return the courtesy car uh, or actually go to lunch and then come back, return the courtesy car. I was seldom wheels up before one o'clock, mm-hmm. but that always got me into Wichita before five right. So, uh, you know, and gave me a perspective from which to watch wherever the thunderstorms were, to peak uh, or Emporia or, you know, over toward uh, Johnson County and Olathe. And, and was always at a nice, comfy, comfy altitude, scoot right by Kansas City International, wave as I went by, and uh, slide right on into to Augusta Muni. Uh, mm-hmm. So this was a room with no view. Mm-hmm. It was just enough clouds up on up on high, that you could see precious little going in. But had a neat captain, he let me kind of peek over his shoulder at Appleton while he was checking weather, and I'm going, uh, looks easy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you on your way home from Moskosh? Yeah. And unfortunately riding with you. And by the way, don't be late, because if that's a center line thrust airplane, and he goes, yeah, pretty much, I said, then we can go without you.
3: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that was a confidence builder for him. The first,
1: Well, the first officer was already up there. So, uh-huh. you know, uh, doing uh you know, doing a, how'd you like to get some PIC time, guy? Uh, I'll be your SIC,
3: and now, off we go Dave? into the wild blue. Dave tell the truth were you ready to go home
1: uh i was yeah, yeah. I was pretty much pretty much ground meat uh, yeah. well you were pretty
0: physically worn out i uh, you you had a you worked hard I mean, you always work hard, but uh we could see you slowing down as the week progressed but uh yeah but, it's just a it it just gets a a little more difficult
1: to uh make that five fifteen wake up uh after about Seven days of it and you're still looking at three to go.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean I've said this before, Oshkosh is like sex. You know, it's uh it's uh <laughs> I never I, I can I can how? never I can how, never, how? yeah how it's, it's like Oshkosh is going to Air Adventure is like sex because uh I can never get all I want, but sometimes I can get all I can stand. And uh
1: <laughs> and when you get to take a break from it,
0: you're not really sorry. Yeah, that's right. And someone said, and I and I wrote that on the board in the AirVenture uh, today newspaper office one time. And someone added as a as a uh, a, a, a subscript a, a postscript. He wrote, uh, and afterwards you need a shower. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, you know, the there's, always right. that, yeah. Yeah. there's always that little bit of melancholy that comes from getting up in the middle of the night to go
0: home in that yeah. other circumstance. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, it, you make a good point. Uh, yeah, and yep. definitely got enough for this year. Yeah,
0: my trip home was much more mundane than you guys. I I jumped in my rental car and and after 27 hours on the road, I, my telephone is ringing. That means I have to put a quarter in the jar. <laughs> you want to know the irony? We get to take a break. Yeah, hold on a second. Don't go away. <laughs> i love it well he made it's it stuck. still recording you know so we, we can talk about it. so here's what happened Now talk about me i'm recording <laughs> i listen to it later on um so here's the irony of my telephone and i may cut this out later on is that uh i told you the story i didn't need telephone services when i ordered my cable and my and my cable tv and my internet I just put this package together and the guy says, okay, do you need a telephone? I said, no, I don't need a telephone. He says, well, it's actually cheaper. It's $2 a, a a month cheaper, the package, if you get the telephone. And I'm going, well, I really don't want the telephone. And he finally shamed me into it. So I have a telephone. I haven't told anybody in the world the telephone number. I'm not even sure if I know the telephone number, but apparently the salespeople know the telephone number. I was
3: number. going to say, "Is John McCain calling?"
0: Yeah, probably, probably, because this is New Hampshire. Random character generator, and it knows where there's a random character. Yeah, that's right So. Uh, Took the mundane, uh, the mundane, most mundane of all of you uh, method coming home. I jumped in my rental car and, and about twenty-seven driving hours later, I arrived home.
2: Um, That's just insanity. Yeah, well, That's brutal.
0: I, I actually, th- in this particular trip, I, I stopped in the middle. I stopped to visit a friend in Michigan, so I spent the the night in Michigan and had a very very pleasant visit with a former roommate and his family, and that was nice. But uh, nevertheless, it is a long drive, and it always seems to be a longer drive going home than it is going to Oshkosh. I can just
1: hear it now. Daddy,
0: why does he smell like smoke oil? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's right. Anyways, uh, before we move on here, let me say welcome, folks, to episode number 94 (laughs) of Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. We're recording this episode on Thursday evening, August 7th, 2008. And uh, let me say hi to the gang that are here in the virtual hangar. Uh, One of those voices you hear is Dave Higdon. Dave's talking to us from Wichita, Kansas. Hi, David. How you doing?
1: Ah, great, great. Every time I hear my name mentioned, I wake up a little bit more. Uh, <laughs> yeah, back in the air capital of the world, uh, got my uh, barley pops here, my feet up, uh, am f- pretty much caught up on sleep, and am aw- in awe of the fact that this is our fourth one of these in two weeks.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're we're, we're cranking them out these days, aren't we? So, uh, uh, Also in the hangar is Jeb Burnside. Jeb's talking to us from Sarasota, Florida. Hi, Jeb. Hey, you, Jack. Uh, uh, that money just keeps rolling in. We keep cranking these podcasts out. Yeah, that's right. That's we're just right. making the that's big right.
3: bucks. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're rolling <laughs> in it here. Uh, <laughs> right. uh,
0: like so many people in aviation, we're making a fortune here. Right?
3: That's right. That's right. Well, I'm, just glad, I'm just glad everybody got home safe and sound. And, yeah, and, uh, that's right. I, I was got thinking uh, about you as I was soaring over
0: Atlanta at 13.5,
3: looking down at the RJs. A
0: and also with us in the hangar this evening is amy lobota amy's talking to us from fort myers florida hi amy how are you
2: this evening?
0: Uh, we're, I'm doing well. I'm uh, like I said. I haven't seen the sun since Bennington, Vermont. Um, <laughs> okay. a- a- Amy, Amy, it's pick here. It, the
2: sun is here.
1: Throw it at Sarasota, would you? <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, and it was. Well, I think the heat index was 99 degrees today. Don't tell me this. I, I'm headed.
0: You know this. I'm headed down there next week for about t- almost two I weeks. Do know that. Yeah, and, uh, my my the company I'm working for they couldn't have sent me to Florida in January, no. No, <laughs> they sent me to Florida in August. So, uh,
2: that's okay. Just... The ultimate irony was when I sent myself to Duluth in November, and and I had to stand there and say. Who Whose idea was this? <laughs> yeah, oh, right. right. Fine. Fine. I'm the editor. Whacking of the yourself in the forehead. And I am Jack Hodgson,
0: and I am here back home again at UCap World Headquarters in Dover, New Hampshire. <laughs> Our Jack H. Where we haven't seen the sun since I've been home. I really want to go flying, but I can't. Dark, dark gray clouds out on the horizon right now. We may get thunderstorms before uh, before the podcast is over. We'll see. They'll will be doing different.
2: Yeah. in your world. Yeah, because that's not, l-
0: not late. Won't be. Yeah. Anyways, we don't want to spend the whole uh, the whole uh, time this evening talking about AirVenture, but we just kind of quickly want to make a couple of other observations. And the first is that EAA has reported that uh, the atten- as we suspected when we were out there, that the attendance figures were very very good this year. Uh, they uh, let's see now, this is a story from uh, the EAA website. It's a funny story, by the way. I'm trying to find it here. It is um, because. Uh, you know, I mean I guess it's press in press release ease. It's written as if it was written by somebody else, but it's actually on the EAA website or on the airventure.org's attendance attendance and other figures are coming in from the recently concluded EAA Airventure Oshkosh two thousand eight, and they're reflecting what EAA President Tom Pobresny said in preliminary reports on Sunday, this year's convention. Was, was another Oshkosh success that solidified the importance of EAA Air Venture to the aviation community. Okay, a Period little bit paragraph. a little bit of a uh, of uh, uh, horn there, but, but true, I think, for the most part. Um, the crowds were good, and uh, the numbers they're publishing are reflecting that.
2: Yeah, no, they were. They, they, there was no question about it. And, um, you know, I think I know why. why. Why? Well, because whenever there's really sticky, hard times, people tend to want to congregate together and think and talk about it. Yep. Uh, that That's
0: makes very sense. very true. Yeah, that very makes true. sense. And then the other bit of uh, of Oshkosh news is this just to rehash this, but it's kind of a cool story there was a there's a video report from Oshkosh that was done on CNN and is on their website and uh, I think Dave called our attention to this I don't know if you guys have all listened to it but it's kind of fun um, I mean it's very positive it's it's uh, Miles O'Brien who is a good guy uh, Miles is is a pilot and uh, uh, unlike many mainstream media folks who report on aviation, he's a pilot, and uh, you know, his stories are, for the most part, only slightly colored by the uh, demands of mainstream journalism. But uh, it was a nice little piece. But my favorite my one favorite <laughs> Very line,
1: nicely put. Very nicely put. My uh,
0: – my two favorite moments from the report are one was the line when they came to talk about the jetpack which we all now know about the the our our dear jetpack. The the quote I I quoted I I I wrote this down from the piece. It says, "The jetpack took the show by storm, the first practical available jetpack."
2: Right. Yeah,
0: <laughs> okay. Um but uh, okay, but then, but then the the really interesting part was they actually had a little little tiny clip of video of Miles actually trying to fly the jetpack. Yes, and I suppose yes. if you count if you count eight inches off the ground as flying, he did in fact fly it because it did kind of hover up off the ground, and you could see three, he was kind of three,
3: <laughs> three people holding on to Well, it. You're
0: stabilizing it because right. things apparently got no control just yet. But uh, yeah. you know, and you can just hear in Miles' voice. I think you know he's like, "Oh, cool! I get to." I mean, you can just imagine this is what was happening before. Before the clip started, it's like, "Oh, cool! I get to fly a jetpack." And he gets all geared up and he gets gets strapped in, and then they get and the time comes, and then we start to see the clip, and he's kind of like going, "Oh my God, what have I done?" Oh here? no, I
1: get to fly the jetpack! <laughs> <Yeah, you know?
0: laughs> and he actually lifted it up eight inches off the ground. and He's going, "Okay, okay, I'm coming down now." And then they cut away to something else. But uh, there was actually yet another instance of the jetpack pla- jet sort of flying, as Ev um, famously and it, said.
3: And it's funny thing; it still sounded like a two stroke motorcycle. Yeah, what's?
2: Well it, well, it is. Well, it is. Is. That's what it it's is. It's a
3: very, very
1: big two-stroke motorcycle. It's yes. a V4 yeah, back a there.
2: 200 horsepower. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, there are clips that, that are longer that show that it's controllable um, from some of their pilots. I felt bad for the people because uh, the the Dreamlifter suddenly was pulled into Aeroshell Square, and their their space in which to maneuver collapsed in on them. Yeah, and yeah. they really, you know, jostled crowd, around for about 20 minutes and the crowd, the crowd just crowd totally got there so early. That. The yeah. crowd
1: got there ahead of the people designed to keep a big circle open. Yeah. And once the crowd started showing up, there was almost no way that those folks designed to keep a big circle open were moving that all backward. I mean, imagine trying to push backward a herd of about 15 or 1600 cats. Hmm. <laughs> And, well, and, and 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 the food is that jetpack in the middle of that circle.
0: Yeah,
1: and yeah. they're all wanting to get closer.
0: Yeah, you know, we all well, made fun. All of-, of this is true,
3: but um, they're they're kind of a you know again a, a victim of their own success. If they hadn't PR'd this thing as a quote jetpack unquote, oh yeah. uh, they they wouldn't be as visible or as um, they wouldn't uh, have
1: gotten the uh, they wouldn't have gotten the expectations up the way yeah, they did. Yeah.
3: Exactly. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So so I still, li- I still like the Hooters hover machine, but that's that's
3: right. Yeah. I'd, it's a, i I, I'm going to go with flying drum kit until you know, something, something Anyways, else.
0: happens. That's enough, Oshkosh. Uh, we're going to have to for for those. No, it's not. There's never enough Oshkosh. <laughs> for those, for those few listeners who aren't aren't all that interested in Oshkosh, uh, that's that'll do it for now. We're going to move on to some other things here. But, uh, but uh, already already looking forward to next year. What's uh, the phrase? Uh, Moving right along, take a drink, take a drink. So, Amy, what's the latest uh, on uh, on you, so Amy. you and Barry's uh, RV10? Uh, how's it going? It,
2: the RV10 has uh, forty-two hours on it, something like that. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. 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 You had to fly it to get the test hours off. I've been flying it for a while, darling. But wait, you only need 10 hours of test hours, right? What's. Is that no, 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 well, no, got, no, 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 I the, uh, personally need. No, I personally need 10 hours for the insurance company to insure me in the airplane. Okay. I have that. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Um, but the airplane and the engine combo. And the type of fuel injection we put on it demanded that it be a 40-hour fly-off time.
0: Okay.
3: Uh, And that's what
2: we got. So we got five hours within five miles, and then the rest of it within 100 miles, and with only one pilot at a time in the airplane Mm. Um, because it's a single-crew Airplane. We have required doesn't crew. require two crew. That's exactly right. So it's been a long process, and somewhere in the middle of it, we stopped everything and got it painted, then got it back from the paint shop, and it didn't fly quite as straight as it had <laughs> when we brought it into the paint shop, uh-huh. which required eight hours of different flights and adjustments to bring it back to some semblance of, of flying straight. In fact, it flies quite straight, until you put all the flaps down, and then you notice a pull to the left a little bit. Mm. Um, uh, so okay. uh, Barry's solution o- when- was, you don't really need full flaps, do you? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, said, I said, does that mean you're done messing with this for a while? I actually used a different word, but that, that's what <laughs> I meant. And he said, yes. And I said, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll go back to it. But there were other things. There were um, issues between the avionics that had to be resolved um, that weren't just operator issues. Um, in fact, the avionics have to talk to each other. We have two Gram Rapids Technologies EFIS with re- totally redundant independent AHARs. And they had to talk to each other as well as to the um, Garmin GNC 300XL and the SL30. And the 327 transponder. So all there was this, a Amy, lot of Amy, things in all, the panel. Oh, go ahead. All, all,
3: of, all of this this talking uh, back and forth among all the avionics, this is why God invented rubber mallets.
2: Yeah, 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 well, yeah. You, know
1: avi- <laughs> you know what the avionics are saying about the pilots.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll just leave I'll, it at no, that. Go
3: ahead, Dave. I want to hear this myself. Uh,
2: yeah. <laughs> No, you know it's really interesting. People think up, oh, you finished it, you fired it up, it's flyable, it's you're good. done, yeah. and yeah. and and there's a whole lot more to it than being done. And not, you know, not so,
1: anybody that's ever built an airplane or a house or a car or a motorcycle.
2: Yeah, yep. exactly. So I was absolutely ecstatic to see Barry come in here yesterday and go, our approaches now activate. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I went, that is so cool. He says, "But if you hit the hit the sequence hold button, <laughs> they disappear on the map. <laughs> but then they Whoops. come back when you unhit the sequence, when you undo the sequence hold." I said, "Okay said, but unfortunately, when they disappear, the holding pattern disappears, too. I said, okay, we'll work on that. You know, yeah. so I mean, it's little things like this, that you have this idea that it's all going to work perfectly in your head. And those demo guys are so good at the show. So well, good that's at the show. The,
1: that's because they never show anything that they haven't worked on at the shop before.
2: Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. But, you know, I'm here to tell you that you cannot expect it to happen out of the box. There was one other uh, uh, just astoundingly amazing thing we discovered about our EFA system. It, it, it didn't seem to have the terrain database that we thought it had in it. And so we kind of dug around in the manual and said, oh, yeah, yeah, you've got to load that. So we downloaded it onto a USB stick and went out there because that's the way you get things on. And... And it said, well, it can't load it because there's nothing to load it onto. We went, whoa, 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 So back, <laughs> back to the manual one more time. Well, it turns out that there's a, a compact flash. There's a PCMCIA drive inside the box. You have to pull the box out, unscrew the back, and inside you have to put a compact flash card in a PCMCIA adapter. Oh, Wow into the reader in order to have the ability to load the terrain on and use it hmm. now.
1: Now, that's convenience. <laughs> yeah,
2: right, right. I, I was just astounded. And I said, and that's on page what of the manual? <laughs> oh, no, 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 that's the revision to the revision of the manual. Oh, uh, <laughs> So, again, the little mysteries of life. You know, I kept looking at that little, you know, it's a terrain USB waiting. And I kept, what does that mean? Flight after flight after flight. Because obstacles were in a different database, and the obstacles were there. And in Florida, come on, guys, let's face it. How much terrain is there?
1: Oh, lots. You know, know.
2: lots. (laughs) Above 150 feet. Thank you very much. No, there are towers, and that's with obstacles. There's alligators, but anyhow, uh, it's been resolved, uh, and I'm here to tell you that it can be done, even by two fairly, you know, ungeekified people like Barry and I. We're not. I, I
0: don't know about that, but okay. Moving on. Let's see now. So, oh, take a drink. Uh, hang D- on, I got to open. David, it up you place. found this. Uh, you found this interesting video. I don't know if this is one I've seen before. No, this is not the same one I've seen before. The uh, single engine dead stick in an F sixteen um, is a pretty interesting piece of video to to listen from the, uh, the 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 I guess what you'd call is the HUD camera or the the
1: uh, the yeah the lipstick camera in the cockpit. And, yeah. Well, it's, it, it's you're pretty HUD, much yeah. actually looking through the HUD right the heads up display on this
0: it's uh, always interesting the- yeah it's always interesting to watch these things uh, I, I the thing i mean among many things one thing that amazes me is the coolness of the pilot involved It's it's all, you know, I mean, first of all, they aren't talking very much anyways, and they're all just doing procedure and doing call, you know, call outs and so forth. Um, And actually, the the wingman who was flying somewhere nearby and talking him through the whole thing was more worked up and excited by the whole thing than the than the actual incident pilot, I thought was interesting. Um, But, uh, you know, Jack,
2: your legs don't shake till you're on the ground.
0: Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. Um, Yeah.
1: But it is – it is a, 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 I, th- I put it up there because I thought it was a great little primer uh, for folks to uh, to see and hear on, on the little things that you deal with. And, and most of this stuff you're going to deal with regardless of what you're flying. You, you, you don't have to be an F-16 driver necessarily to do it. Uh, and the benefit of having a wingman over there to handle some of that stuff because from uh, past experience with engine outs – the guy driving that little sled was getting real myopic on that touchdown spot out in front of mm-hmm. him. Now, he's got nice instrumentation that shows him about where that's going to happen. And it looks good for making the field, which is always a nice thing. Always a nice thing. Oh, look, I can make the field.
0: Although, I have to tell you, on short final, that little thing was on the ground short of the runway. I'm thinking, okay, it's probably because he's going to pull up a little bit at the end. But uh...
1: Yeah, and if you carry a little speed into something like that... yeah. You can make up a little bit for the, you know, for what otherwise looks like a shortfall.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, same way with getting over an obstruction. Uh, if you're looking at an obstruction, if it's uh, if it's clearly not gonna get out of your way, you gotta uh, push. Yeah, putting the noise at it and diving at the sucker like you're getting ready to mow it down with machine guns, and then timing your pull up. It's amazing how far a little momentum. Can be
0: traded for okay. altitude. I think this falls into the category of of things that you hear on this podcast that sound like advice on aircraft operation. Uh, maybe you ought no, to try that with would, a, with an instructor before you do it in real life. But uh, uh, you really think so? It's, it's something visual,
1: though. Uh, it's something that they teach in soaring. When you're headed back to the ground, there's a spot on the ground, and this works with you know stuff with an engine too. There's a spot on the ground where you're. Uh, pretty much going to touch down that only gets larger Mm -hmm. it doesn't move relative to the nose of the airplane what you're going to overfly appears to move towards you what's going to come up short appears to move away so if you've got that tree line smack dab and all it's doing is getting taller uh Give it a little extra energy, and I bet you you can carry that over the top. Uh-huh. It's been proven in the past by far smarter people than me. I'm a follower here, not an innovator. Uh-huh.
0: I was reading a column in one of the magazines just maybe last night or recently about an interesting optical illusion when you are flying at the flight levels. This is mostly applicable to airline pilots, but you guys that have your turbochargers and so forth can be way up there. And so here, let me see if I understand this correctly. When you are way up there... The horizon, which in other words is the line that is directly ahead of you, is actually above the the edge of the earth all right it's in this in the sky, so to speak. does that make sense all right so what happens is that if you're flying along like on an airway and there's another aircraft a thousand feet below you on the same airway in the opposite direction because it will actually appear it will in fact be above the the edge of the earth the so-called horizon all right so it will look like it's above you because it's above the horizon and as it gets closer it it actually the optical illusion is that it seems to be right at your level and then sort of then goes below you as it as it actually you know crosses paths with you and apparently, and you can just imagine what a disturbing p- optical illusion this is that you see. An air- and this all happens very fast, of course, because you're closing it, you know, some thousand knots or more, you know. And uh, it, it, just, it's an interesting optical illusion that an oncoming aircraft that is, in fact, clearly below you will at first appear above you, then appear on your level, and finally appear below you. I've yeah, experienced a, that.
3: There was a mid-air collision um, in uh, Eastern Europe a few years back um, that was partially attributed to the similar phenomenon. Um, I mean, ATC called, you know, each each aircraft is traffic to the other, and TCAS was involved, but one, one of the crews acquired the other aircraft visually and decided that something was askew because they could clearly see that this particular tra- piece of traffic was above them and they descended and of course or, or vice versa, I don't I, I presume it was this way. And of course descended to the wrong altitude and then the two aircraft collided. Mm,
0: yeah. Uh,
3: and this was this was in the flight level, so it was a long way down. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah, so I'd like to learn more about that, Jack. If you could find a reference to me, yeah, really. I believe it's Sorry.
0: the current issue of uh, AOPA Pilot. Um, uh, there, there was an, uh, one of the columns was talking about um, the fact that we have such accurate, like GPS navigation these days that people who are on airways. That two aircraft on the same airway are exactly on the same airway. Right. And so there's, you know, there's no randomness in there to, to you know, no fudge factor to kind of reduce the possibility of a collision. You know, I mean, and of course, the most famous incident of this was the Brazilian airliner and the Embraer, oh, exactly. Embraer uh, you know, which were both on GPS, um, uh, inadvertently both on the same airway. Uh, At the same altitude in opposite directions, and the GPS autopilot stuff was so good that they were within a wingspan of each other. Boom, Mm -hmm. you know. So it was this column was talking about. uh, I'll dig it out, but you may find it in the meantime. If it's in the current issue of AOPA Pilot. Yeah, it was one of those columns. It was was interesting.
1: It brings up one of those things that uh, can be kind of a shock to learn, and you know, the even odd altitude uh, according to your compass heading stuff Mm -hmm. is not. Fixed in stone from the controller's seat. Uh, It's not unusual for them to clear IFR to the wrong altitude Uh, for their purposes. It's perfectly legitimate, and usually when they've got everybody in sight and getting good pings off of them, uh, you know, perfectly safe.
3: Well, Uh, they do it all all, uh, over Florida all the time. Oh, anywhere, uh, anywhere south of and including Jacksonville approach. You can expect to fly an altitude IFR anyway. You can expect an altitude that is of you know, uh, the opposite of what you would fly um, in the in, elsewhere in the lower forty-eight. Um, it's happened, it,
1: happened to me around St. Louis. It's happened to me up uh-huh. in Montana, uh, uh, and in weather nearing the uh, the Washington uh, approach area. Sure. In D.C., uh, it's just all what works out for them.
3: Yeah, sometimes and, it's and more it can convenient be really for them. Sometimes
1: the first time it happens to you.
3: Sometimes it's more convenient for ATC. Sometimes it's more convenient for you uh, to fly an altitude that is that doesn't strictly comply, as long as ATC concurs, on you're golden.
1: Yeah, they actually suggested it a couple of times, and they yeah. gave it to me.
3: Yeah.
1: would be willing to work for odd altitude.
0: <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> Another interesting tidbit from this article was, and I hope I've got this right. Uh, apparently, for some time now, the vertical separation standard for uh, flying along the same airway was a thousand feet, and um, they're, they're, they either have or they're intending to increase that to two thousand feet because because the aircraft are tracking the airway so precisely. There were a lot of situations where two aircraft going in the same direction, on the same airway, but a 1,000 feet apart, the one that was lower and slightly trailing was getting stuck in the higher leading one's wake turbulence for long periods of time. What? That's what it said okay. in the article. Huh? That's but, what it said in the article.
1: Now, now that we must it. be talking about a, 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 a below the beginning of the flight levels here, because they just spent a whole lot of money right. and went to a lot of trouble with something called uh, RVSM to free up Thousand foot increments in an area where they'd always adhered to two. Hmm.
3: I don't know exactly right. And in any case, um, there's a real simple solution for the situations where the trailing aircraft, trailing and below aircraft, is gets into the wet turbulence. It's called ten
0: degrees right.
1: Yeah. 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 You go offset. You run a parallel.
0: Yeah, off. I mean, exactly. and that's what I was talking about. But the the point it was making was that the, is that the uh, the the GPS autopilot navigation has become so accurate now that there is all these weird side effects. And, oh yeah, uh,
2: I, you know. I
1: don't. I well,
2: questioning that whatsoever. Talk about hitting uh, Ripon and Fisk. Sure, you got to be careful coming into those intersections because mm-hmm. and now everybody's trying to hit this very precise exact point. Yeah. <laughs> Well, space. there
1: seems in to be this, of, this habit,
2: habit.
1: of—I'm yeah. sorry. There seems to yep. be this habit of putting uh, Rippon and the uh, pattern altitude right. into the VNAV right. of these yeah. things. So you do this descent, so you hit Rippon at the altitude instead of hitting it, say, three or four miles away, where you can actually right. see what's coming to the spot, and it's not. I don't think that's a smart way to do it.
3: It's not. And people don't start looking out the window until they hit ripping. And, you know, then it's like, oh, my God, where did all these aircraft come from? Yeah, how come uh,
1: you're in my spot? Yeah, uh, what are they? Don't they know I had to That's out
3: right. Them. I I I called ahead and made a reservation to be here at this time. <laughs>
1: well, I just called I just called dibs and shotgun. You know.
3: Yeah, yeah. No, you you got to be careful out there. And uh, um, all this precision, <laughs> uh, uh, all these databases that that Barry and Amy are, are dealing with, uh, uh, they're, they're hyper accurate. It's it's ones and zeros, guys, and yeah. Um, everybody's got the same equipment these days and everybody's flying it and everybody's going to the same place at the same time at the well, same
1: altitude. We, you know, we even use the VNAF for a 3 or 5 mile out
3: for yeah. pattern well I, I've got mine hardwired. well I won't say hardwired, but I've got mine set to 5 miles before uh, wherever I get to it yeah. uh, whatever I'm going to that way uh, especially if it's like the destination airport, I get down and I can get slowed down
2: uh, with plenty of plenty of room. Um, you have a chance yeah, to, that's yeah. how you teach it. That's how you mm-hmm. teach people to do that. You exactly. would never have them descend into the pattern. You're going oh, to descend to and on top of someone.
3: Exactly right.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, anyways. David, you put us on, onto another thing here. Um, now, what you wrote was, "Here's your chance, advise FAA on its plans," and then you gave us a link that was to the FAA homepage, which flips through different stories. My guess is that you were talking about the. Uh, uh, my guess was that you were talking about the uh, the planned uh, TFRs for the political conventions this later this summer. What was it really about? Actually, it's not bad. The flight plan the, draft the flight, flight plan. plan. The FAA's
1: <laughs> draft flight plan. Okay. Which is their roadmap for the next five years, starting when?
3: Where oh, no. is this puppy? It's 09 through O through O thirteen.
1: 09 through O thirteen. Thank you. Uh,
3: there is no I such thing put as, in as a 17. different
1: link because the page has now changed so that yeah. it's not on the.
3: Well, there's a there's a PDF uh, if you. If you stop it, it's item two on, on at least my load of, of the FAA homepage. And if you just stop the, um, the flash um, presentation on item oh, two. Oh, there we go. I, I found it now. Okay, yep. you yeah. got two links. One is, is the uh, draft flight plan itself, which is a PDF. The other one is a link to comment on the draft flight plan. So, uh, and way, screw you, strong letter to is follow, insurance. is not a cogent comment.
0: <laughs> yeah, what uh, uh, I, I take it that's one of the comments someone has added here.
3: No, it's it's um, that's that's a comment I have for another branch of the federal government.
0: I see. Okay, so what's the deal here? What what are the issues around these draft this draft flight plan? Well,
1: it's kind of their roadmap for things that they want to do and accomplish, and how they want to get there over the next five years. And they're required basically to solicit public comment. Now, all the big associations. And some of the large companies that are aviation users, suppliers, and so forth will all get down and dirty and they'll have professionals wade through these 48 pages and they'll craft very carefully the consensus comment of whatever institution we're talking about. But average Joes like us, the you know the hangar pilots, the guys that hang out, the guys and ladies who hang out at the, at the airport afterward, who actually fly this little stuff uh, for grins, giggles, business, and profit – we get to read it and comment on it, too. And I thought it might be useful to our listeners to know that, this A, this document, it's out there. It's 48 pages. It's not terribly dense to wade through like a lot of federal stuff. And then you can go to the comment page and add your salient 50 cents worth on the different topics. Uh, I'm not going to go into chapter and verse on all the things that they cover here. I'll leave that for folks to discover. But don't be bashful, bashful about doing this. Uh,
3: no, don't, don't be bashful. And don't be put off by uh, a lot of the bureaucrates, if, if I can coin a phrase or, or develop a phrase here, um, that, is in, that is all uh, embedded in this document. It's, uh, we're talking about um, the FAA. We're talking about uh, 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 the federal government, and this is the way they do things, unfortunately. Um, I I do wish that they would spend a little bit more time actually trying to implement um, things like increased safety and uh, greater capacity rather than talking about it.
1: Amen. And that's something that we can all say.
3: Yeah.
2: Absolutely.
0: Yep. And that was it. That was it. Yep. What about the so we I guess the convention And and we we'll,
3: and as they say we'll put a link to uh this page in the show notes.
0: Yes. Yeah. Now n- now that you bring that up let me let me use that as a uh, uh, an Let's opportunity talk about- to talk about Let's have a segue. Yeah, a segue. We have uh, a new section uh, in, on the uncontrolledairspace.com website. It's actually been there for about three weeks now. Uh, and uh, Well, we haven't told anybody about it. Well, we've told a few people about it, and there's a link on the home page. And if you look at the show notes, you may notice that they're, they are they're they look a little different because they're in this new format. We have a wiki uh, that's part of the uh, uncontrolled airspace website now. A wiki, uh, for those not familiar, uh, is a uh, is sort of a user-generated or a user-written written uh, encyclopedia, uh, and in and the most famous one, of course, is Wikipedia, uh, which is a lot of general knowledge, and uh, I put that up there on the site, uh, primarily, or initially to be the new home of the show notes, to make it a little bit easier, well, first of all, a little bit easier for me to create the show notes, second of all, uh, it makes it now possible for Jeb and Dave and Amy and James and others to directly contribute to the show notes, they don't have to send me things in email to be inserted, and finally, uh, it's now possible, and we welcome the idea of of our listeners going in and making additions to the show notes. Um, if there's a, a section that we didn't really document in the show notes, or if there's a link to an interesting uh, thing about something we talked about, it can be added in there. Um, so we, we'd love the idea of people who uh, who are well-intentioned, of course, but who uh, want to enhance the show notes themselves. So you can do that. Um, and then I'm hoping over time that the wiki will also be a place for us to to uh, create uh, documentation or pages about some of the other things we talk about in the podcast. Um, I'd love to see all of the different airport restaurants we've talked about each get a page. I'd like to see all of the interesting airports we've talked about each get a page. Um, For that matter, the various products that we talk about in the podcast could each have a page. And, uh, you know, over time, this could become sort of the Wikipedia of aviation, although that's not our primary mission um, with the podcast. It might be fun to have have it be a, a centralized place for information. So the show notes are there right now, and uh, if you, uh, now I'm talking to you, Jeb, Dave, and Amy, if you have something uh, to add to the show notes, just go there, and there's a little button at the top of the page that says edit this page, and it will uh, uh, put the uh, the page in, in sort of a text form, and you can just edit it and then click save, and your changes will be there. Um, and... Uh, you know, Very cool. We'll see where it goes. But uh, I hopefully, you know, Perfect. I think this is an improvement to the website, um, but it's also trying to deal with the fact that I had fallen so far behind with the uh, show notes, and I really wanted to ha- come up with a better way of doing it so that I wasn't the uh, the uh, roadblock, if you will, for getting the show notes done. So take a look at the... Uh, the uncontrolled airspace wiki there's a link in our little link bar at the top of the home page and uh, right now we have the show notes there and we have um, uh, we have a list of other aviation podcasts um, is is on a page there and uh, you know you can go in and create new pages on your own or or enhance ones that exist and let's see what happens with it that's the uncontrolled airspace dot com wiki and uh, we'll see where that goes what's next on our list here let's see now I had it a minute ago but then we got into a little A little uh, diversion here. Um,
1: Soliloquy.
0: Affordable flying. What it's really the subject these days. Of course, Dave did uh, did a couple of excellent uh, forums uh, as part of the Affordable Flying Center while we were at Oshkosh. Um, It was the subject of an entire building at uh, at Air Venture. And Amy, you did a posting on the uh, I believe it's the Avweb blog. about affordable flying that seems to have generated some comment. Can you kind of tell us what's going on with that, and what, what did you write, and what are people saying?
2: Well, I actually, I started it as a commentary about um, the building that EAA put together, and I was a little bit uh, disappointed in it, only in that what was inside that building, for the most part, were inexpensive home built and uh, LSA kits. And I thought, okay, fine. So what they're saying affordable flying is is um, an inexpensive way to get into flying. And I said, that's really a misnomer. Because I didn't think that most people had come to the show looking for a $25,000 home built or less. I mean, there were some in there you could put together for $6,500. So, I mean, they, they, they really did a good job on that. But that's not the price of entry. Well, it, that's had, not what
1: they had. They also had some old certificated aircraft outside.
2: Yes, that they did.
1: All into the same price category, but the issue you're talking about is is universal. It really doesn't matter uh, under what paperwork the airplane's certified. When we talk about affordable flying, as you accurately point out in your post, we got to be talking about the whole nut uh, because. When somebody's in for a penny, they're in for a pound. Otherwise, they've just got a really expensive dust collector. Even if it's cheap,
2: absolutely, yeah. it's it's what it really costs to own it when you get insurance and or hangar or tie down and gas and oil. Uh, you You got to think about that. You got to think about what's it going to cost me a month.
1: Yeah. With Jack, is, with Jack as
2: my witness,
1: yeah, that was the nub of my. A portable flying center uh-huh. presentation, and
2: I bet today. it was—I bet it was packed too. Well, <laughs> okay, so a lot of people came to your your seminar.
1: Let, 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 let me put this in context here. Uh, I heard from I heard from my hosts, uh, the folks that invited me, uh, and, uh, uh, a little more than eleven 1, hundred people sat through the different presentations that uh, occurred in the Affordable Flying Center over the seven days where there were presentations. And that included, you know, guys talking about building from scratch to guys talking about uh, owner maintenance. Mike Bush did a presentation there. Uh, You know, and he was this year's Aviation Maintenance Technician of the Year from the FAA.
2: I saw uh, Mike Bush. Now, Mike Bush had a lot of people in there.
1: Mike Bush had a lot more people than I did. Uh, I had about 15 for the first one, and uh, that was Saturday morning, and uh, uh, then I had three not counting Jack, who came along for moral support, but <laughs> oh, I was well, the last. I was, that the, was last the last presentation. Day. that's, yeah, not, that, that's yeah. right. That's that exactly the last presentation on the last day. Yeah,
0: let's exactly keep this in context. Because of David's other uh, responsibilities, he had to take these oddball times, and uh, I, there's no question that that, that made a difference. Um, but I, you uh, know, and by the way, the I have to say, crew, I didn't call, I didn't, David, I didn't go just for moral support. I mean, maybe a little bit for moral support. I actually, to he- you told me you came to harass
1: me in case will. it got <laughs> too
0: easy. So. That too, but uh, but no, I I wanted to hear what you had to say. And although I, I've heard some of the, the, these things from you before, I learned a couple things that I didn't know, and uh, I found it pretty interesting and 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 useful. I I think I'm actually going to save some money as a result of some things that you said, and so. Uh, now, so that, what'd that you what say? Me feel good. Yeah. Well, we talked a little bit. Save me some money. Well, you guys are probably already tuned into this. S- S- you know. Sunday's,
1: Sunday's audience was made up of three guys who came specifically to hear different each one of them a different aspect in their questions on affordable flying, and one of the gentlemen wanted to know about using his airplane in his business, and <clears throat> we we talked a little bit about how to set that up, how to structure it, how not to structure it. Uh, how to keep himself uh, clear with the I, both the FAA and the IRS, uh, and the fact that there's a whole lot of latitude available there, that will, if structured correctly, let you. And and if it's you, you know, if it's genuine, you can't be snowball. You know, can't be snowing the federal government, taking the kids and mom to Disney World and then you know calling it vacation or calling it work. Well, because well, 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 back you happen up. You pass your back, nose over
3: something. Back back up. Back up. You say you can't do that. You can.
1: Not on a consistent basis. Oh, man. There's there's all this area where you can, and uh, we talked a little bit about that. One of the guys wanted to know about uh, uh, finance specifically and what he could look at when he could go away. One guy wanted to know about uh, the wisdom of buying an old airplane with a supposedly run-out engine and what his options were. So we just kind of sat in a little circle and dealt with each guy individually. And for my context, the affordable airplane is the one that fits your budget after you figure out how much you can afford to spend and then a lot, no more than 33% of what you can afford to spend as the cost of buying the airplane. The rest of it needs to be there to cover hangar or tie-down, maintenance, insurance, annuals, and about 100 100 hours a year of operation. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if it's a complex airplane, controllable prop folding wheels, you better make that 25% as the max.
2: Yeah, that that's absolutely true. Now, what's interesting to me is I actually sat in on a couple of different affordable flying-type seminars. Another one that was packed, Mike's was packed, obviously, be, with people who wanted to know how do I keep it running efficiently and, and what can I do to tune this. But there was another one by a guy named Eric... Um, I'm missing on his last name. But his thing was, how do you clean up the airframe for speed and efficiency? And he based it on the book that the guy with the Mustang II wrote. Do you guys know which one it is? Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Okay, and this guy, over the course of 25 years, picked up 40 miles per hour Hmm. on his home-built airplane Hmm. by tweaking it cleaning it up tweaking it
1: well there's a, a, a there was an airplane sitting out near the radio station all during the show uh a Cherokee 140 that will go 160 miles an hour insane insane yes you're absolutely right but between Illegal. <laughs> tweaks little engine tweaks and airframe tweaks cleanups uh and mods uh improvements here and there This guy's run this airplane up into a 160-mile-an-hour airplane full bore and about a 145- to 50-mile-an-hour cruiser.
2: Well, you know, when I put the wheel pants and the fairings for the gear legs onto my airplane, do you know how much I picked up? 10 Mm -hmm. knots. 13 knots. 13 knots, yeah. 13 knots, wheel pants and gear fairings. Hmm. When
1: we did all the speed mods to our Comanche 180... Uh, we picked up between, we picked up about 11 knots and we did more than that. We lowered the stall speed, lowered the approach speeds and lowered the rotation speed on takeoff. So we not only got a faster airplane,
2: we got got an airplane that was better on short fields. Yeah. 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 That's incredible.
1: All that little stuff pays off. Uh, you know, and there's been all this joke about inflating our tires to save gas. Uh, you know, and actually, you know, all the little stuff works on airplanes, too, including inflating your tires. Uh, you'll get the right braking action. Your tires will last longer. You'll get off quicker because there won't be extra rolling resistance. On and on, little stuff like that. Keep, we put this leading-edge tape on the Comanche, this 3M rubberized tape. On the leading edges and the vertical surface because it made getting the bugs off really easy. Mm-hmm. And after we waxed it in and didn't ice up, it shed water. Uh, wow. It protected the paint. Uh, and I can't tell you we picked up a knot off of it or anything like that. But I can tell you when the leading edges were really bugged up like they get in the summertime, we mm-hmm. were slower. We yeah. were slower across the board and the stall speed went up.
2: Yeah. That's exactly right, I mean it, it it's it's the simple stuff that will make the difference for you, and why not try it
1: yeah but, but the big biggest part of biggest part of my little presentation was that becoming a pilot and owning an airplane is as much a matter of will as it yeah. is money, yeah. You know, uh, and, and my favorite joke, my favorite anecdote. It's not a joke. It's real. It's a real scenario. Is an acquaintance of mine, who's driving around about a sixty-five thousand dollar SUV. Uh, mom's got about a forty-five thousand dollar sports sedan. Uh, they've got a big boat that they use about six times a year, and a little vacation getaway over on Table, Lock, Table Rock Lake. Uh, over on the Arkansas-Missouri border, and he looks me in the squarely in the eye and says, "Man, I'd love to get into flying. Uh, you know, I took lessons, but I, damn, I just can't afford it." Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, "I'm sorry, dude, but you know, I'm carrying a fraction of what you are in ancillary assets, and I can do this." Yep. But but I make it a choice. You got to make it a choice. It pays to get engaged in the lifestyle, get engaged in the community because then it's a choice that's a lot more fun, a lot more interesting than just dragging the airplane out of the hangar to go someplace and pushing it back in when when you're done with it that's That's like owning a horse that you only ride to work and back and never have any fun with that's right yeah
0: so i you know and, and I just want to say that uh I'm hopeful that uh, what EAA did at AirVenture this summer with the Affordable Flying Center is just the beginning of of what that will become in the future, because I, I was uh, although I'm I'm just totally behind them in trying in getting it started. Um, I was a little disappointed by what they what they rolled out for us too. Um,
1: well, they they got they got started on this a little bit late in right. the planning curve. You it know, was I was post sun and fun when right. this really got off the right. ground.
0: And so I, I was hoping to see more stuff not only not simply about uh, owning and you know the 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 expense of buying and owning your aircraft, but I was looking for things that would give people advice on on affordable flight training, on uh, affordable renting, you know, clubs and whatever, alright? I was looking for a lot more, uh, the entire food chain, if you will, uh, of aviation. Right. And, yeah. and I'm, yeah. I'm hopeful that that's, that's in the future. Um, well, as a matter well, of fact, well, I had a couple of really interesting conversations with a couple of EA officials who will go unnamed here, but uh, you may find us uh, in, in, in the UCAP world getting involved with this as well, so you know, I'd, I'd urge you to stay tuned on that regard.
2: That Anyways. would be very cool. I would like to see, yeah. like, the cafe. Stuff involved mm-hmm. with it because I mean who knows more about efficiency?
0: Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So. Well, and, and and the things that you mentioned, Jack, uh, affordable ways to get your pilot's license, uh, partnerships, clubs, uh, leasebacks were all things that were in mind on Saturday. Oh, okay. That didn't come up with the crowd on Sunday because that wasn't on their radar screen. Right. Uh, we didn't go into great detail on any of these. Uh, as much as we, you know, kind of touched on the the positives and not necessarily the negatives, but the things that may not be great positives uh, on each of those, uh, little things like owning the airplane you take lessons in actually effectively lowers the cost of learning to fly.
3: Yep. yep. Yeah.
1: You know, and and it's not a dumb idea if you if you if you really got the bug and you're serious about it.
3: That's
1: sure. right. Yep. Yep.
3: Um. Yeah. The, uh, if you've got the 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 credit to do that, uh, or or the cash, uh, you're you're not going to lose any money on on. You know, if you buy the airplane at the right value, and you sell it after you get your training done within a year, or so you're not going to lose uh, any money on the aircraft, presuming you you maintain it. Um. And you're you're keep in mind anytime you rent from an FBO, yeah. You know, the the debt service, the maintenance, the fuel, uh, all of that is built into uh, insurance. All of that is built into the rental fee plus uh, a profit margin. Right, uh, right. And as soon as you take that profit margin out, you're saving money. Right,
1: right. That's right. You're building equity in something you own. Mm-hmm. uh. Yeah. And like Jeb said, it can come back and go right back in yeah, your pocket again.
0: Right. I, I don't doubt that it, that it, that if you have the resources to buy an airplane, it becomes cheaper in even the medium run. My concern is for all of the people out there who want to get involved with aviation who aren't able to bear that kind of a big expense up front and are, but might be able, even if it's more expensive in the long run, might be able to do it a bit at a time. Um, uh, and uh, that's what I was hoping to hear more resources for them. And anyways, I'm sorry. Anybody really need to say something final because yeah, well, we got to move well, on. One, one more point, oh,
3: and that is uh, just that uh, uh, discussion earlier in, in this conversation about um, you know the the 50, forty fifty thousand dollar SUV and the 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 lake house and the big boat and all that kind of thing. It it is a matter of choices. Um, you don't have to have the dollars the $40,000, $50,000 car uh, and in fact uh, it's probably a hindrance if you have an airplane because Thank you. Uh, Thank you. The, Thank air, you. the airplane can, can go further faster uh, and, and you will arrive much more refreshed if you're driving over you know if you're driving long distances one of my uh, um, trips here from Sarasota uh, to uh, my family home in Georgia is five hour drive it's interstate all the way, but it's still a solid five-hour drive, uh, no, no matter how you cut it. And it's one plus 30, one plus 45 in the airplane. There you um, go. Um, so, yeah, it's a matter of choices, but um, um, it, it's tough to do both. It's it's tough to have the, the $50,000 SUV, and it's tough to have the fast airplane. Um, but... Um, You can have a little bit of both. You can have a $30,000 SUV and and, uh, a $20,000 airplane.
2: And, and frankly, my RV has better specific fuel consumption than that Cadillac Escalade. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Okay, let's move on here. Uh, Let's see now. Uh, This is from a story in AvWeb. Uh, There are reports that are apparently not confirmed, but reports that the FAA is now pushing controllers to actually – uh, bust pilots who who commit small infractions, which uh, in the past historically they just kind of help out the pilot, help them rectify the situation, and move on. Oh, uh, where
1: do we start with this one?
0: Yeah, let's let's. Okay, go ahead, Dave. Where do you start?
1: Well, let's start with this. You got overworked controllers putting in too much overtime because they're too short staffed and too many trainees for the re- remaining experienced controllers. So what do we do? Let's add more stuff for them to do. We want them to write up every infraction and submit it to the FISDO, which is already overburdened because they're short staffed. Uh I think it's a phenomenally clever idea on the behalf of the FAA to find yet another way to OD everybody in the system and choke it up with paperwork that they can't possibly absorb in the name of doing nothing positive for safety
0: yeah that's that's my point is that not only will this add this burden on the controllers but it will drive people away from using the system and and make things less safe
3: me if I could be permitted an observation It strikes me as just a little bit of a Machiavellian ploy on the part of the agency to try to drive a a deeper, wider wedge between controllers and pilots um, as a way to try to maybe isolate the controllers a little bit further as they really really gear up for some controller contract talks uh FAA long ago decided they could care less about the pilots so now they just have to get the controllers out of the way and, and it's going to be a great place to work
1: and it you know it jumps right out at me is another one of those brainless bureaucratic ideas agenda after work over cigars and martinis by people that have never had to be PIC and anything more complicated than a subway car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So I guess, you know, my... I have strong opinions on these topics.
1: My, not, a, not a bit. I'm, I'm totally ambivalent about the assholes.
0: My, my tongue-in-cheek note on this whole thing was that you want to make sure that your supply of ASRS forms is, uh, is complete. Or is, you know, well-stocked in People your flight don't bag.
3: think. In yeah. our show notes to the PDF download of the ASRS forms, you know, because Absolutely. maybe we need yes. to be
0: we need to be filing ARS, ASRSs on on all of the little mundane things that and, happen. And one of the things we need to do here,
3: also, I think, is is uh, call blowing snow when we see blowing snow. <laughs> um, that's a PIREP you're talking about. That's right? a PIREP I'm talking about. And and uh, uh, I'll give you I'll give you two for for instances. My trip to and from Oshkosh. Uh, Both of these instances involve the Indianapolis, Indiana Trakon. So I'm I'm droning along, fat, dumb, and happy, and I call up, or maybe I've already uh, uh, gotten uh, uh, flight service, and I'm getting uh, flight following service, and I'm getting I get handed off to Indianapolis, and uh, droning along, drone talking to Indianapolis, and they say uh, turn right 10 degrees. Um, And I say, why? And he says, traffic. You like to do this. More than anyone else I've ever... You you challenge... And, And I say, where's the traffic? And he doesn't respond. And I think it finally dawned on him that I'm a VFR aircraft in Class E airspace.
2: Yeah, you don't have to turn anywhere. I don't have to
3: turn anywhere. So that was on the northbound. On the southbound... I'm climbing out of um, of Grissom Air Base, which is a brand new civilian operational totally civilian now. It used to be joint use. It used to be a Gus Canada. Grissom Air Force Base, yeah. Uh now it's a civilian airport. I stopped in there to get some go juice. And I'm climbing out of there. I'm 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 headed for either eleven five or thirteen five. I haven't decided which. Uh and I'm out of like sixty five hundred or something like that, and I'm I get ha- I get handed off to Indianapolis Tricon. And Indianapolis so, you know, radar identifies me and says, and um, uh stop your climb at eighty five hundred.
0: And I said, why? No wait, are you on on uh, IFR plan or I'm VF- VFR. VFR. Okay, VFR? VFR, okay, go ahead. Light following. There's okay. there's not yeah, there's not a cloud, you know, within a hundred miles of it. Okay, I just wanted to get this straight. Go ahead. So he he said he said He hold. says stop your climb at eighty
3: five hundred. I said, why? And he says airspace. And I'm looking at the five thirty and I'm you know, I'm like what airspace would that be, sir? And I never get a response from that. And my, my only conclusion, you know, and I've never had this problem in any of the other facilities. And Atlanta sometimes can be notorious for giving VFRs the runaround or certainly giving FLIBS the runaround. And I go sailing right over the top of Atlanta, and they're happy as a clam to have me there because they don't have to deal with me down low. Um, but um, I, I chalk this up as just being a, kind of an Indianapolis Tracon anomaly because everything, everybody else, including Chicago approach and Milwaukee approach, wh- who were uh, uh, busier than one-armed paperhangers, uh, um, the final day of, of, of the show um, had nothing but you know good service and, and help and and cooperation and everything else. All of a sudden, Indianapolis is like, "Yeah, we want to control you," and I'm I'm. Totally outside. They're, they're just a Class Charlie facility to begin with. I'm totally outside of their Charlie airspace. Well, you know, I, a, I don't get it myself. There's a very
1: real possibility here that by dint of your magnetic personality and the laws uh-huh. of uh That of,
3: I just attract these kinds of controls. Uh, well,
1: I was going to say the laws of consequence and, uh, and, uh, and, and such that you happen to stumble into a couple of developmentals in a row.
3: Well, I I would I would not uh, disagree. Yes, with that. That,
1: you know they're, they they're w- they they want to be bravos when they grow up. Yeah,
3: now see, there you you know, go.
1: Charlie learning yeah. their trade.
3: Yeah, see, I, I I don't disagree with that, and that's as likely a scenario as any. But I ultimately think that the Indianapolis TRACON is using the radar scopes that St. Louis used to have, and they still have
0: much. My- <laughs> <laughs> You're saying you have a reputation over there. Well, it? you know, when
1: they when they cut the budget, they just couldn't afford grease pencil cleaner anymore. So.
0: That's right. That's right. <laughs> <You
1: know.
0: laughs> okay. All right. One more subject That's here. a long way to go for that one. <laughs> one, one more subject here. So, David, tell us about the uh, Gamma report. What's the story here?
1: Well, financials have been trickling in for the last two or three days. Individual companies, uh, second quarter slash uh, first half, and, and and a lot of it looked pretty good, but then GAMMA uh, dumped out their mid-year numbers today.
0: Now GAMMA is the General Aviation, General Aviation Manufacturers.
1: Manufacturers Association, the trade group for the major plane makers. And lo and behold, everything is still down a little from last year you know, on the piston side. Uh, and Billings are at a new record level. But I go looking through the details here, and second quarter shipment by the piston plane makers were considerably better than the first quarter shipment uh-huh. by, by plane makers here. It's l- a little bit shocking. I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, Cessna delivered 226 piston singles. I'm sorry, 226 airplanes in the first uh, quarter. They delivered 352. Uh, and I should have broken this down by uh, piston airplanes. So let's jump to a piston only. Cirrus Design, 76 airplanes, first quarter, 163, and a second quarter. Yeah. Uh, Diamond, 101, first quarter, 110, second quarter. Uh, oh, there was one here that just floored me.
0: Now, do you think this American is notable?
1: American Champion Aircraft. American Champion Aircraft. Delivering variations of the old uh, uh, Satabria, Decathlon, the line, 11 airplanes first quarter, 17 second quarter.
3: Mm -hmm. And even Mooney, which seems like they're constantly uh, um, trying to stave off uh, Chapter 11 or or something like that. Uh, In the first quarter of 08, uh, sold 13 airplanes. The second quarter sold 20.
0: Yeah, now, um, now, you think this increase is notable because, uh, A, because second quarter is traditionally not be- better, no. or just because you think the no. economy is getting bad and it's interesting that anything gets better?
1: Well, when, I, the, uh, when I, the, the first... L- the, f-
0: the latter, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah.
1: When the first port- reports came in, piston deliveries were down about 25%, and it kind of spurred a little... <gasps> Among a lot of people, that we might be seeing the uh, leading edge of a uh, of a move, you know, of a, a segment tanking. Except that doesn't appear to be happening. Uh, Piper. Now they do have one turbine aircraft, and that's mm-hmm. the Meridian. They mm-hmm. delivered six Meridians in the first quarter, fourteen in the second quarter. Uh, not every model that they deliver was up, but the net is. Uh, uh, about a 75% increase in the second quarter over the first quarter among their piston airplanes. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it kind of gives person cautious optimism that things are not going to uh, start to get slap-happy tank.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Single-engine pistons. Uh, let's see. First quarter... Worldwide 351, second quarter 576. Uh, I mean, those are not just increases,
0: those are significant increases.
1: Significant increase. Single engine piston by manufactured in the U.S. 277, first quarter, 488, second quarter. Uh, It's encouraging.
3: Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that would be useful, of course, is to compare second quarter 08 numbers with second quarter 07 numbers. And I'm going to go back here while we're talking and see if I can find them. Why
0: don't you dig those out? Yeah. Um and then we're going to move on yeah. here. Yeah. As a matter of fact, while you're digging I'm going to jump into shout outs here. Uh anybody have any shout outs? I have one quickly I want to do. Um I had uh, coffee this morning with a listener who was visiting uh m- uh oh, very cool. World Headquarters or the town of World Headquarters and uh <laughs> listener Mike M. We got together and sat in the local coffee place for about an hour this morning trading notes and uh talking Is this about the champ podcast. Guy? Uh no not Champ Guy, a different Mike okay. and uh um I don't want to say his last name because I'm not sure, you know, I try to be try to be careful about people's, sure, uh, sure, you know, privacy, but uh, we, we, we wouldn't
2: want people to know who listens. That would be bad.
0: Well, yeah, okay. Um <laughs> but uh you know, and and uh, one interesting aspect of his story and and I tell it mostly to encourage other people to think along the same lines is that uh, he is uh is is a, you know, approximately my age his children are, are getting ready to go off to college and uh, um and he uh, started flight training when he was in college or even high school when he was very young he started flight training and didn't complete it. Um, life sort of intervened and, uh, and he went on to other things. Um, he's always stayed interested in aviation but did not follow up on the training and and it's only in the last year or so um he's gotten more and more interested again and rediscovered his his passion for aviation and has resumed his flight training and is in the midst in the midst of the uh in the process and uh i i think that's very cool and i you know i i urge people to to you know re rediscover their their love of aviation and uh, and dive back into it and mm-hmm. don 't put it off it 's like Dave said you know buying an airplane i think it 's also true of learning how to fly it 's as much a matter of will as it is finances um, you've got to go out and do it so uh, it was it was a blast to have uh, coffee with Mike this morning, and uh, hope we 'll hear more from him. I urged him to to tell us about his experiences in the forums. Excellent. Uh, did you find that data, Jeb? Well, I did. I found
3: some 07 stuff. I didn't. I didn't I haven't put the 08 side by side with it. Um, generally speaking, in 07, first quarter uh, deliveries uh, were down compared to second quarter 07 deliveries. Um, in other words, put it another way, uh, just as we've seen in 08, uh, second quarter deliveries were greater in number than were first quarter deliveries mm-hmm. that said um the um, differences i think in 08 um, in some for some manufacturers are greater quarter to quarter than they were in 07 uh putting all of that aside uh a tie is a win in mm-hmm. the- yeah. Uh, and I think I think it's it's demonstrable that uh, um well Cirrus, uh for example at O seven showed a net loss of twenty shipments from quarter one to quarter two. Um they show a net gain of of maybe thirty or forty aircraft. Dave, you might have quarter. You might have '08 numbers in front of you. Um, show a net gain in '08 from quarter one to quarter two. So that's a complete reversal.
0: Yeah.
3: For yeah. Cirrus. Yeah. So I mean, it, it, it's it's a little bit apples and oranges, but at the same time, um, I think again in this environment, just holding your own is is a success.
1: Yeah. Well, in the, uh, the 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 first quarter numbers, of Pistons were down about twenty five percent. I think it's significant that year to date, oh eight over oh seven, the decline is down to fifteen percent, which mm-hmm. means that that uh, second quarter numbers was a big boost. Uh, if they have third and fourth quarters that are anywhere near on par with the second quarter. This year is not going to be the train wreck that it looked like at the first quarter. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: That's good news. That's good news. Yes. Um, any other shoutouts?
1: I want to do a quickie to uh, folks that I discovered uh, through a contact called Pause Pilots and Pause mm-hmm. uh, Pilots in Pause Pilots in, in November Pause org. It's a uh, group of volunteer pilots who help transplant, relocate pets to areas where they can be adopted from areas where they don't have a chance in in, in, in the world. Uh, not quite on par with the, uh, you know, angel flight and things like that, but also not a bad use of an airplane for somebody that's got a soft spot for dogs and cats. And having been called on to help transplant some parrots a few years ago, uh, I see something like this as the extension of the airplane as a charitable chariot, if you will. Yeah, I'm sorry. You were giving airplane rides to parrots. I was asked to help relocate some parrots uh, that were in need of veterinarian attention from where they were, where no veterinarian was skilled in their needs, to some
0: place where they were.
3: How were see, that would yeah. that would be. I think a bad thing because.
0: I want to know what kind of passengers be, they were. Because the, what you're going to do is you're going to get a long
3: bunch long of story. parrots who are going to start uh, mimicking Dave Higdon. <laughs> the, moment, the moment we have more. I, I can see for the Dave downside Higdon's of that myself. Voice, <laughs> that's yeah, just that's sick. That's <laughs> just wrong. What,
1: what I found out was that they are really not wild about airline crackers.
0: <laughs> no one is no sentient being is so. Anyways, there you go Pilots and pause sounds like a cool program It's uh, we'll put it in the show notes but it is Pilots and Pause. one word,
2: org. any other shout outs? yeah Indian. I have one uh, coming up in Texas in September uh, org. okay FIFI Fifinella.org. They're going to do a fly out to Avenger Field for the last Wasp reunion. Oh yeah! Oh, how cool! Yeah, so this is this is something people should really look up because I think this is going to be a, a, an occasion. And we, you know, we just lost another wasp uh, right at Oshkosh, uh, Margaret Ringenberg, and uh, she was 87 years old. God bless her. She just didn't get up in the morning, mm-hmm. and you can't do better than that, you yeah. know, to go go at a great air show like that and in a nice go to sleep and not wake up. But the thing of it is, is these ladies are getting up there, yeah. and uh, this is your last one of your last opportunities to uh, hear what really happened. So I would throw that one out in the pot. Fifi Nella, Fifi dot com, cool. org org. I found it,
0: Wait a minute. I think I found the right thing. Maybe I didn't. Let me try org. Anyways, we'll put yeah. the proper one in the show notes here. But I'm going to try org and see what we get. No, it redirects to comm, so it must be the same thing. Um, yeah, the Wasp family address change. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, great. Any others, Jeb? Uh, Indianapolis Tricon. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> a special
3: place in go your go baby long <laughs> may <waves. laughs> I mean, you wave here's should... all the
1: developmentals and all the stations and all the towers and tracons all across all the world. country
0: that's right hey thanks guys uh, Amy Lobota of course is a freelance aviation writer and the editor in chief of Aviation for Women magazine you'll learn more about Amy and her work and her magazine at WAI.org slash magazine thanks Amy appreciate it when, you're, when you join us
2: you're welcome. Yeah.
0: Dave Higdon is an aviation photographer, a senior editor for Kit Plains Magazine, and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales Magazine. Learn more about him and his work at kitplanes.com and also avbuyer.com slash sales. I was in my local FBO today, and I uh, was looking for the latest issue of your magazine, but they get scooped up the moment they come in, so I'm going to have to you know check more often so I can... Get there
1: earlier and more often. Get a copy Folks, of that. Remember, Remember the password... Live longer by going flying, because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan.
0: That's right. And Jeb Bernstein is an aviation journalist, currently serving as the editor in chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. Learn more about Jeb at uh, jebburnside.com also aviationsafetymagazine.com, and avweb.com. Thanks, Jeb. Thank you and he had to unmute because there's noise in his house apparently uh, and I am Jack Hodgson, I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer and a new media producer, learn more about me at jackhodgson.com or aroundthefield.net and check, it, check in with all of us at the forums and at the new wiki at uh, uncontrolledairspace.com so uh, thanks everyone for joining us in the virtual hangar and that's enough talk, let's go flying